This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show on tap. Before we welcome our guest, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. Now, this helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. With us today back on the program, Gerard Jones, UEFA A-licensed coach, author, and the founder of a brand new platform that we're going to talk all about in a little bit you learned Lee uh Gerard welcome back to the program Nah, delighted to be back it's great talking to you and, and you know sharing ideas love it we're excited to have you back you've uh you've been uh everywhere it seems lately if you if people follow you on social media uh the last time we had you on the program we told folks to follow you and if they've been following you they've been uh seeing your uh uh going from you know, where you were at the time, then you went to Morocco, and uh, now you're back in the UK, and uh, just a lot of great things are happening for you, Mr. Jones. Um, today, we're going to be talking a little bit uh, for our coaches, maybe our little, a little more higher level coaches, giving them an opportunity to hear some of your thoughts on a few things. So why don't we go ahead and dive right into our subject matter for today. Um, we often hear the term play practice play method. Uh, very common uh, term that's being thrown around. Can you tell us about this and why this method is important? I think it's a great method, personally, and I've used it even working with elite players. You know, we were using it in Morocco where, you know, I'm able to coach some of the youth international players. We incorporated, you know, the concept of it even in our methodology. Um, and I've used it even at other levels, you know, when I was a DOC in the US uh, and, and everywhere else in between. And what it is, is it's play-centered. So first and foremost, you're creating an environment where players are playing the game. So they're learning how to play the game, solve problems, and take on board information from the environment. So they're interacting with the environment. So it's, it's interacting and, and creating an opportunity where using chaos and, and, and play-centered game-based approaches all in one. So what you're doing as a coach is you're giving them problems to solve, not necessarily answers. And that's so important that, first of all, what's one of the biggest questions kids often say, or even players, adults, will say, when can we scrimmage? You know, when can we play a match? So we know that players make decisions based on time, space and numbers. You know, over 85% of the information soccer players take on board is through their eyes. Obviously, you've got other senses, but it's mainly through their eyes how they're scanning, they're searching for information from the environment in order to create their own adaptable solution. So play, practice, play is tapping into that. It's a play setting approach where you're playing games, but it's not just as simple as, oh, put them into a game and that's okay, they'll learn. It's about giving them uh, questions. And sometimes it's questions where there's not necessarily a, a verbal answer. It's just more show me, don't tell me. And you're giving them a problem to solve where they've then got to interact, as I said before, with the environment and come up with their own solutions. So the intentionality is really key here. And play, practice, play is a method that's used to balance play and practice. So you're getting the returns from playing in a game and that realism. So it's representative of what they're going to see in a match. But you're also getting the element of repetition without repetition. So repetition with repetition would be, as you and I both know, 
you're focusing on a principle or a learning focus, but it's under the same conditions and it's a constant practice. Whereas repetition without repetition is that they're getting a learning opportunity around a particular principle or set of principles, but it's under different scenarios. So that's the game, that's the reality. So it's important that for coaches, you're tapping into this thing called intentional free play. So as the players are arriving that first stages, giving them an opportunity where they're playing, they're becoming familiar with the rules of the game, first of all, and what's happening, what the challenge is, and what's the, the question that they've been asked. And then they're, they're, they're playing and they're trying to solve the problem and come up with their own solution. And then the, the element of practice is where you can continue that learning and stretch the players further. So you can stretch and challenge them and, and create a, an activity that, again, recreates the realism of the game and offers more choices, more competition and more challenges. And then finally, there's an extension of that, which is the final play phase, where they're in a, a game activity and, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a halftime talk. So they're in a game activity, there's a halftime talk and there's an opportunity where it's so realistic to the game where they can actually solve problems like they would on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whenever they play their regular game. So for the coaches, what they can do is they can manage the opposition to create a realistic problem for the players to solve. And in doing so, the, then the players are faced with a real challenge that they might be 1-0 down or 1-0 up or 2-1 or whatever the score may be. And at half-time, even irrespective of the score, the coach can ask questions, guided questions to the players, like you would do in a, in a regular half-time talk, hopefully, and say to players, like, what's happened? What do you think? How can we do even better? What do we need to do? How, who's the danger player for the opposition? Are they playing through, around, or over us? Um, how can your movement create space for yourself or your teammate? You might be asking them questions, you might be setting them challenges, you're giving them information to affect the second half. So again, you know, the big question for coaches listening is, how often do you prepare players for the second half? And even understanding how to manage the, the, the game. And more often than not, the only experiences they get are on a match day. So play practice plays, not only play-centred and, again, they're getting loads of touches on the ball and free play and creativity and freedom to make mistakes, but you're also giving them an opportunity to prepare for the second half, prepare for managing the game because they're, they're having their own little mini games. And it's a great way for coaches to create games within games. So for me, it's a fantastic tool. You mentioned in there um, allowing the players to make decisions. And of course, as the coach, you provide feedback uh, to them. Uh, do you have any tips for coaches on providing that feedback to help guide those youth players? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, first of all, coaches have got to plan the vocab. So what language are they using? And and don't assume that the players understand what we're saying, even though they might nod and they give us that yes, we can't assume. So for coaches listening, it's how can you check for understanding? And one of the first things I always say to people is feedback given isn't necessarily feedback received and understood. So it's really important when we're giving feedback or we're asking a question, make sure that the player understands, but also we're not necessarily imposing our perception upon the player or giving them our answer. Even in a guided question, it can be quite a closed question depending on how you structure it. So there's a clear right and wrong answer. 
And it's really important that for players, we're going on a journey with them. So we're not necessarily imposing our belief on what the solution is, but it's more developing the curiosity in the player. So how can we inspire and involve the player in coming up with their own solution? So you might ask them a question that sets them a challenge. So it might be similar to the examples I gave before, or even, you know, how can your action eliminate two or more defenders? So, or it might be, if you want to be really specific, you might say, how can your pass eliminate two or more defenders? Now, I'm not saying when to pass or how to pass. They'll decide the choice. They might decide, you know what? It's a great opportunity to do something a bit like an Ozil where I clip in, it bounces over, or a Kevin De Bruyne and I do something clever with a flick. Or it might be, a, you know, an unorthodox pass. It might be a disguise pass. So how can you disguise and deceive? So what you're doing is you're setting them a challenge and for the players, they're going to look for the right time and they're going to interact and experiment and explore and that freedom like you mentioned so that they know when the right time is and when, when it isn't the right time. So you're not giving them an answer. They can look, oh, how can I eliminate two or more defenders? Well, there's a gap here. I can break a line for that pass there. Or I might dribble and drive into the space. You know, so dribble when you can, pass when you must. So if you need to pass, release the ball, combine with players. But if you can drive into space, hurt a player. Or if you have to manipulate the ball in order to create the passing opportunity, the passing lane, do that. Stay on the ball for as long as possible. So for coaches, it's not about giving them answers. It's about being really clever in how you structure your sentence or your question and, and trying to tap into the perception of the player. So what I mean by that is the examples I gave there where you're asking them what did they see in that moment? So where's how, how can you see both goals before you receive the ball? So straight away, they're going to open the body shape. So I'm not telling them to open the body shape. They're going to do that naturally. Or it might be, why is it important for you to see where, where Marcus is before you receive the ball? What will that allow you to do? Allow me to think about when the ball needs to go next. Like, they'll tell you the answers. I can adjust my body. I notice the defender's coming here, so maybe I'll have to take my touch in here. So straight away, you're, you're getting the clarity. Because for coaches, whenever we're giving feedback, it's so important that players have choice, but more important than all, they have clarity. They need to know why. What's the relevance and why? Otherwise, the opposite of that would be we just tell them the answer. We just give them direct instruction and say, go here, pass there, do this, do that. A bit like joystick or PlayStation, you know, soccer. For the player, who will go, okay, coach, you know, you told me to spread out. You told me to create width. I'll do it. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'll do it because you're the coach. And that's low-level thinking skills. And what will happen is when, when players are faced with a problem that they've never faced before, they've never seen, which will happen for sure, because the game is random, it's chaotic. No situation is the same. If they don't know what to do and they're not encouraged to become more game responsive, who's the first person they're going to look to? It's going to be the coach on the bench because they're going to go, what do I do now? I don't know. And they're always going to be dependent upon your feedback. I think the role of the coach is to develop players to become more game responsive. We want to create self-learners. We don't want them to become dependent upon us and always looking to us for the answer. We shouldn't be the oracle of, of all knowledge when actually all the information they need is right in front of them. It's in the environment. So, and especially as the game is becoming more complex, more creative, it's requiring more uh, decision-making skills and problem-solving and, 
as I mentioned before, there's a premium value now on disguise and deception. So if we know that, we've got to create environments and, and use feedback in such a way that guides the players on where to look and, and how to solve the problem themselves. Doesn't tell them where to look or how to move or what to do. As coaches, sometimes we get uh, caught up in our training sessions and planning them. And sometimes I think we get a little bit overcomplicated. Um, why is simplicity a better route for your training sessions? That's a great comment. And I think overall, we can make it too complex for the players that we cause confusion. And, and also we can spend so many hours. It's great that we should be planning. You know, we should be encouraging coaches to, to think about the detail and, and plan the sessions. We don't want coaches necessarily just rocking up and doing it, shooting from the hip. But equally, you, you don't want to make it too complex where it's, it's overly structured and it doesn't look like the game. It's not natural and it's very rigid and, and players will find it confusing. There'll be too many rules, too many conditions. There's not a clear method of scoring. And players, when they're playing the game or the activity, the first thing players are doing is they're trying to figure out what, what's the rules of the game. So if it's a possession game, if it's a possession practice, how do we score? Is it points per passes? Is it if we score in the end zone? Is it we, we score in this counter goal, this little mini goal? Is it that we're attacking the number nine and when the number nine gets it, he's one-on-one -on -one with the keeper? How do we score? How do the opposition score? So then when once we know that, we know how to defend, how to attack. And it should be directional. It should relate to the principles of the game. And simplicity is key because, you know, the game is so complex. Players are having to make so many decisions. We don't want to make it even more confusing for them. We want to create an environment where players can simply play the game and be faced with choices that are natural to them that they can then wrestle with because they've got enough to wrestle with anyway. So if we overcomplicate it with more conditions and rules, and by the way, there's a rule here, but here's another rule. And for players, you're losing time and, and time is key. You know, you've, you've got such a, a limited amount of time with these players that we really want to maximise the amount of time we've got, whether it's 40 minutes, whether it's 90 minutes, two hours, whatever it is, you know, so it's really important to be simple, clear and concise and consistent with your messages. You had a tweet uh, recently that said it's, uh, it's not heads up, it's actually eyes up. Um, I thought that was brilliant. Um, can you explain what you meant by that? Well, it's all, I often hear this a lot. Like I'll hear phrases where coaches will say it's head up. not, And I think, yeah, but your head can be down, but your eyes can be up. So it's not head up, it's actually eyes up. And if you look, some players will be, the head will be down because they're just scanning at the ball, but then their eyes have just gone up and they're picking up something out of the periphery. And that might be enough where they can play with a little disguise or look one way and go the other. So for me, it's it's not head up, it's eyes up. And again, even just hearing that out loud, it's, it's simple for coaches to take on board. So if they can say to players, where are your eyes looking? Get your eyes up. As soon as your eyes are up, what are they seeing? So where are you searching for information? Can you see where the number nine is? Can you see who the last offender is? Where's the goal before you receive the ball? So you're getting your eyes up. And by natural default, that'll probably lift the head anyway. But it's an easier way of, of trying to get players to look. Because often coaches will say, get your head up. You need to get your head up. 
But, you know, a bit like me and you, you know, with dads and we tell our kids to do something, they don't listen. The players aren't going to listen. I'll give you another one. Same with uh, spread out. Coaches use this word a lot, spread out, spread out. And I, I've never been a fan of it because the players don't know what it means and they never spread out. And if they did, why are we still using the same word? Even at high school level, we keep saying, no, we need to spread out. So they're obviously not getting it. So I would often say to players, where can you stand or where can you, where can you move? Where can you run? How can you make the pitch even bigger? Where can you stand? Where can you run? If I said to you now, Marcus, where could you stand now? I could stand over here. How will that allow you to create more space? Or even the one I said before, how can your movement create space for yourself or your teammate? Straight away, you're being playful and, and kids are then getting their eyes up. They're looking about the time and they're identifying where the defenders are and then they're trying to solve the problem. Even little language like um, I did a tweet recently around empty and fill. So you might say to players, empty and fill. So if I run into this space and I've emptied it, Marcus knows to drop in and fill that space. So again, you can be really creative as a coach using certain vocab that instantly paints a picture in the mind of the player. Excellent. You had a, uh, a book out called Let's Talk Soccer. I don't think we mentioned that on the last time you were on the podcast, but let's take a moment to talk about that book and why coaches should get it. Well, I think it's a great resource around giving coaches little tools and ideas on how to develop players to become more game responsive. So I wrote that book when I was exploring my own ideas. And of course, you know, this will always evolve. You know, there'll be other books that will come out that are going to continuously evolve as, as we all do in coaching. I think it's a great tool because it'll talk about the future player and what does that, and what does the future player look like and how do we develop the future player. It'll build on some of the things that we've talked about already around vocab. So use of game calls or why term game calls. So how you can use one word or two words, little trigger words, they instantly paint a picture in the mind of the player. And I'll tell you, some of the top coaches in the world do this. So Jurgen Klopp, he'll use catch, which relates to pressing the ball, catching the ball high up the pitch. He'll use counter press. He'll use certain words that relate to their principles and their values that instantly the players know exactly what you're talking about. And it's really invaluable, especially when you've got players coming from different cultures or speak different languages if you've got one or two clear, clever little words that you can you can hold on to, that the players can anchor on to, that, that, that creates that clarity. And that's what the book is about. It's about coaches becoming more effective and efficient in how they communicate because it's a dominant coaching tool. We use feedback to, to improve our players. So how can we become better at it? Great book, a lot of great reviews, uh, positive reviews on it. It's called Let's Talk Soccer. Um, and you also have a, uh, a brand new project, uh, you learn, Blee. Um, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about uh, where this came from and, and what exactly it is. So thanks for that as well. It, obviously, it's a, it's a great opportunity for coaches to go beyond the X's and O's. Often a lot of coaching platforms, and this is one of the reasons why it inspired me, where even the stuff that we're talking about now, it's not the X's and O's. You know, we can get so bogged down on tactics and formations and drills. But actually, if you, if you don't know how to create practice designs that develop decision-making, use of environment, relationships, you know, positive learning environments, your interactions with players, 
all this type of stuff around leadership or whatever it may be, you know, that's more important. Forget the X's and O's, because if we haven't got that right, the X's and O's won't matter anyway. So for coaches, it's more important about how do you connect with athletes and, and develop the human, the human, the, the person before the player. So that's what inspired you learn, Billy, which was you learn beautifully. So we all learn beautifully. Um, it's all about you and your learning journey. So you're the center of this learning focus. And it's an online platform where coaches can access online courses, expert interviews with insights from football, soccer, as well as other sports around the world. So we've even got experts from rugby, work at the top international level, from swimming, from British canoeing, coaches who have gone to Olympic Games, to uh, Zhao Arusso, who is a good friend of mine. I worked with him in Morocco. He was the assistant manager to the Portuguese national team. So he went to the Euros in 2012, the World Cup in 2014. He, he worked with Cristiano Ronaldo at Sporting prior to him going to Manchester United and obviously worked with him in the, in the Portuguese national team. So people like Christian Wilson, who's a first-team coach now in the Premier League at Crystal Palace, to many others. So coaches are getting a, a, an all-hit show of experts and, and leading ideas on coaching that goes beyond the X's and O's not just in soccer, but across a range of sports. So really highly recommend it. Where can they find it? And uh, you're also too on social media. So tell them uh, where they can find all this information. Yeah. So if they go to www.ulearnbly.com, U-L-E-A-R-N-B-L-Y.com. And even follow us on Twitter. It's the same at ulearnbly or myself at Gerard, G-E-R-A-R-D underscore Jones. And uh, they can find loads of resources. And again, you know, something that's really passionate to me is we're in the same community, you know, so we're all trying to share ideas and grow and learn off each other. And that's a big part of it. So please reach out. And I'm always open to ideas and sharing. And if I can help anyone, you know, for sure, I'll do that. And likewise, I'm open to new ideas, you know, to continuously grow the platform to, to hopefully inspire more coaches and develop a future generation of creative thinking soccer players. Wonderful. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today to uh, talk with us and uh, good luck with the platform and uh, good luck uh, continued learning. Coach, we appreciate it. No, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Really love it and uh, look forward to the next one. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe and share our program and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network or find us on our social media platforms at WV Soccer. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.